Hi, Nicole. All right, it's 11.30. So we are, uh, this is the Rockstar Book Club. This month we are on Zoom and we are on Clubhouse. And we are talking about the 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. I really like reading the book instead of, I like listening to the book, but I like reading it because for the Zoom people to see, I mark the you know what out of this book. I There are red marks throughout. I don't even know where to start. Um, boy, so has so for those of you that finished the book, have you are you going to try to do it is the first question. Jennifer, are you going to do it? Or maybe you've already been doing it. I already wake up at 5 a.m. I wake up at 4.30, get out of bed at quarter to five and exercise starting at five. Did you do that before you read the book? Yes. Yes. What I thought was interesting, though, is I loved their 2020 formula because I've been spending way more time. Like I, I my exercise time is longer. The meditation I kind of do in conjunction with my running or my exercise. Um, so I thought it was interesting to like give each one of those sections their own time. Greg, can did you hear what Grant, Jennifer said? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've you know, I'm not of the mindset that I need to take the the, the text literally. You know, I I, I think. You know, if you're able to implement some of these practices, and I mean, it doesn't matter what, if you wake up at 5 a.m. or 7 a.m. or 9 a.m. or whatever schedule, whatever your dictates with your, what's appropriate for your schedule. I, I, but I do think the, the formulas that he had that he talks about and, and how he structures his day, I think is important. Um, you know, I, I don't get up at 5 a.m. I tried that once. That just, I, I'm not functional by the evening when, I need to be for my family. So it's a little bit later for me, but I, I like, I do implement the 2024, 2020, 2024. Um, I've been doing that for a while. And that's made a huge difference. Really? So you jump out of bed and you immediately launch into 20 sweat inducing physical activities. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a plank and kind of a full body workout that I do. Um, I pretty much get out of bed, put the dogs outside and jump right into it. And, you know, that's made a huge difference. Not to mention on my waistline. I can imagine. I need to, that's like, I, I uh, that would be the thing that I'm going to have the hardest. Well, you know what he says, be careful about your words, right? So um, the other two, the learning and the journaling and the quietness but so do you not pick up your phone when you wake up, Greg? Uh, I mean, I, I pick up the phone simply because the workout is on YouTube. So I, I kind of follow that. But I but I'm disciplined enough that that's all that's the only thing I'm watching is following that along. Otherwise, it, it you know, you're kind of at that point, you're defeating the purpose. But when I'm reading, it's also on my phone. So there's that. But I'm, I'm, I'm you know trying to keep the minimal distractions away. Jessica, do you get up at five? 
Well, I have to say that I was always somebody who wanted to get up at five o'clock and I tried all different methods and I read this book at the beginning of the year and it, it actually has really, I can say it has changed my life. I have been getting up consistently at 5.15 now since I read the book at the beginning of the year. Um, as you know, I do have very, two very young children at home. So there are nights where I'm up in the middle of the night frequently. And those are the nights where I, I, ju I just can't manage. But I have been regularly waking up and exercising at 5.15. And it's been amazing. And I loved this book so much. And do you do the 2020 well, I do sort of a modified version, kind of like what Greg mentioned. So I am getting the the gist of it. So I, I get up and I do have to drink a cup of coffee first. I usually sit for about 15 minutes and I do like read the, read the news um, on my phone. Then I'll exercise for 30 minutes, but I will use my elliptical machine and read a book while I'm doing the exercising. Um, so I kind of do those two things at the same time and then sit for 15 more minutes. And by then, then my kids are waking up usually. And it changed your life. I mean, I, it's kind of, you know, maybe silly to say, but I have to say it's, I mean, it's now- It's the, not silly to say. The it's not end silly. of April. And I have been for years wanting to be able to get up early, never could. And now I've finally found like a routine that I don't think is a fad. I think it's something long-term that I will, it will now be a part of my life. Right. I mean, Greg, I put you on mute because you had a big, um, you had big, uh, whatever that, a big noise, but you can come back off if you want to. Sorry. Apologize. That's okay. Well, it says, um, how many days does it say to make a habit in here? Is it 66? 66. Right. So the typical, you know, you've, we've always heard it's 21 but that's not the case. So in this book, it says that to make a habit, it's 66 days. Um, so uh, how many days do you think, Jessica, it took for you to, that it was habit forming? Yeah, I think maybe the, the maybe two months probably. So I, I think that's probably about right. Um, and then you know, I do, it's not, I'm still not where I'm able to do it every single day, but it's at least like three to four times a week. So I do feel that it is a habit forming. Um, it's been habit forming for me. I loved the, in the book where he talks about how I'm trying to find it, the willpower, how discipline and willpower contributes to reaching your goals and being fulfilled. I'm going to, I'm trying to find that. I have so many things that I've underlined. So, um, Alana have, did you read the book? No, I didn't read the, the book. So, but I, so I, just, I have wanted to come on to one of these calls for a while now. I haven't seen you in a bit. So, um, I just thought I'm going to join. I'm going to hear what you guys are talking about. And then I'll have to go back and, and, and read, but I'm interested in, I thought that was interesting when you were talking about the habits, because I do think that you need, you need more than, than uh, a short period of time to, for something to, to have it for me. And as for getting up at 5am, I've been doing it for the longest time. And it, 
the only thing that bugs me about it is now on the weekends, I cannot sleep in. When I want to sleep in, I cannot. It never happens. So that's the only frustrating thing when you when you repeat. So you're laughing, Jennifer. So it's true, right? Well, you're on mute. Yeah, Jennifer, you're on mute. Yeah, it's totally true. Weekends, I'm still up at 5, 5.30 at the latest. That's me sleeping in and on vacation. It's the same thing. And the other thing I can't stand is right now with daylight savings time, it's really dark. So I go running and it's like pitch black. <laughs> so. Oh, right, right. Uh, Nicole, did you read the book? I did. I'm already a morning person. So I thought that, oh, okay, you know, it's just going to reaffirm the things that I you know, already strive for, but I have to say, I got a lot more out of the book than just the 5am part of it. You know, I, I really like a lot of his messages from, you know, from soul searching to uh, organization. I thought that there was a lot of good tidbits there besides just the 5am. And another part that really, really spoke to me, I think just because of you know, how life has its ebbs and flows. And right now it's like, I'm going through a difficult project. And, and he really spoke, I think for like a good chapter about just, you know, persevering and pushing through and that's what makes the difference and that. So I, th I think that there was a lot of messages even outside the morning routine um, that, that really spoke to me. The one part I did have a difficult, I, I, I have a difficult time accepting this and, and it's the, the working out right as soon as I wake up because I'm like, Jessica, I need my coffee. I need my quiet time. I don't know. I, I did. I used to do that ages ago and I have to say it does help with the energy levels, but I don't know if it's right for my soul. <laughs> I know. I know. I did the miracle morning as many of you know, and I did it for 68 days and that the miracle morning was wake up, have a glass of water ugh, instead of coffee, um, and then do uh, six things, six things, 15 minutes each. And um, I was so happy at the, at when I finished, when I decided, okay, I'm not doing this anymore to start with my coffee. So <laughs> I, yeah, I like Jessica. I like that. Um, but it, they absolutely in the book say that you should start with the sweat inducing physical activity because of the scientific things about opening the neurons of the brain and the, and all the melatonin. And all, I mean, I, I read that and I'm nodding saying, I absolutely believe what they're saying. So I might try it. I don't know if I'll get 66 days. I will keep you guys posted. But um, one of these things I, I, I wrote down, which I really liked, I thought that I, I asterisked it. It says, we all want to re-access our birthright of towering talent, limitless joy, and freedom from fear. But few of us are willing to do the very things that would cause our hidden genius to present itself. Strange, right? And it's very sad. This was the statement that I asterisked. The majority of us have been hypnotized out of the luminosity that is our essence. The majority of us have been hypnotized out of the luminosity that is our essence. I, I believe that. that, you know, the world kind of just says, don't try so hard, right? Mediocre is okay. 
I, I believe that. Do you guys believe that the world tells us that? But I also think it goes to what you always say about like your women, women and investing is a lot of that is fear, right? So a lot like we're afraid of our own potential, I think. Like, so it's easier for us to sabotage ourselves and fail at it than to try and fail at it, right? So I, I, I found that interesting, but I, I, that's why I think that the cortisol workout sweat idea was so interesting. Uh, th that to me was fascinating. I had no idea. But I do notice when I run in the morning, my brain is totally clear. And my first emails of the day usually start with, so I went on a run and then it's like, and here are my ideas, boom, this is what we need to do to solve it. This is what we need to do to address it, that issue. So I found all of that super interesting. Well, absolutely. And somewhere in here, they talk about that. They talk about that it, that I think it goes back to um, the melatonin uh, or the, the amygdala. This is what it was. So the amygdala, when we were cave people, we had this thing in our brain that warned us for danger. And it was very powerful, you know, so it, it would say, hey, there's an animal coming around the bend and, you know, be careful and you need to protect yourself and your family. So now we live in a, so our, that was what our, why, what our brain had to protect us. Now we don't have animals, but we have, um, we have, I'm trying to Financial. find it. We have um, goals or aspirations or crazy ideas and the amygdala stops us. It says, you can't do that. It's, it's protecting us because it doesn't have animals. And there, that's, that's written about in the book. And I found that fascinating. Yeah, I, I also really liked on that same topic, um, how, how he discusses, you know, getting re in touch with like your childhood self and, and that kind of like, like thrust for, for whatever life throws at you, so to speak. I really liked that part because it's true. I think as we grow up, you know, to what you were saying earlier, Beth, about, you know, the world teaches us to, to, to be mediocre and accept that, that that's the way. I think that's part of it as a child, you know, there is no mediocre, there's no excellence, there's no sucking. It's just, you do what you want to do and you try your best at it and you keep going. And, and I really like that he kind of like reminded my adult brain that that's still can exist yeah he says um he says too too frightened he says uh i'm not complaining them. most people stay the same their entire lives too frightened to leave the way they operated yesterday married to the complacency of the ordinary and wedded to the shackles of conformity while resisting all opportunity for growth evolution and personal elevation so many good souls among us are just so scared. They refuse to call. They refuse the call on their lives to go out into the blue ocean of possibility where mastery, the dignity of bravery and the authenticity of audacity await them. You had the wisdom to act on some of the information. You are, you're one in a tiny minority of people alive today willing to do what it takes. He says, I know transformation isn't an easy play. 
yet the life of the caterpillar must end for the glory of the butterfly to shine. The old you must die before the best you can be born. You're not, you're so smart not to wait until you have ideal conditions to step up to a work world and private life of stainless excellence. Great power is unleashed with a simple start. When you begin to close the loop, opened by your utmost aspirations by making them real, a secret heroic force within you makes itself known. Nature notices your effortful actions and then goes ahead and replies to your faithful commitment with a series of unanticipated wins. Your willpower heightens, your confidence climbs, and your brilliance soars. He says, please consider that a bad day for the ego is a great day for the soul. And what your voice of fear claims is a mean season. The light of your wisdom knows is a splendid gift. Um, yeah, I, one of my, um, he says true and enduring power expresses itself when you contact your original gifts and realize your most lavish talents are human. I should also say real riches come from living by the noble virtues of productivity, self-discipline, courage, honesty, empathy, and integrity, as well as being able to lead your days on your own terms versus blindly following the sheep that so many in our sick society have been trained to become. Sheeple is what too many people are now. Sheeple. That was yeah. Go get the car. I'm going to the bank now. Right, let's go. He's going to the bank. Hi. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. That's okay. That's okay, Joe. No problem. So, um, so one of probably my this is this is not true, but one of my favorite parts. I get massages all the time, and I always feel that they're decadent. And I and you know. I have been known to get them on a weekly basis, but definitely I try to do them at least every two or three weeks. And it's amazing how many great ideas I get on the massage table, right? No phones, no technology, half asleep, half awake. It's so I get, and it's, I usually get 80 minute ones. I, I just got permission to get two a week from this book. I'm very, very, very excited about that. That was one of my favorite parts as well. I love massages. So I was all about that. Yeah, I thought two a week, that's a, that's a lot. But <laughs> Two 90-minute massages a week, that's decadent. All right. I, I have never had a professional massage. <laughs> you need to get one. You don't know what you're missing. Clearly. Oh, my gosh. I live for my massages. So good. Um. Yeah. So, but they absolutely, the whole, the whole thing about focus, focus on one thing until you get it done, you know, get, turn off the notifications. Speaking of clubhouse, turn off the notifications, um, focus, silence. There's this book was full of stuff beyond just getting up at five and working out and journaling and learning. We'll right, say, Jessica. What was? Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it was interesting when you say like focus on one thing, and I was taking another course on. And the other half is an actual practical application of what he's what he talks about. I mean, there's just so much here. So much here. 
so much here. Go ahead, Alana. What did you say? Yeah, I, was, I was taking this course and I was, I always considered myself like a multitasker. I'm, you know, I have four kids and just, I've always been able to, and apparently multitasking is bad. It's a time waster. It's so bad. And I was like priding myself on it, that I could cook dinner. I could answer emails, you know, whatever. And that I found when I went, that when I learned it that day, I stopped doing that and I actually got so much more done. I was so much more productive. I made a list that I, you know, and they also said to not, um, not give your, like, give yourself three main things that you want to accomplish that day. Like, but when you shut off at night, you do that. And then you, it just, you just feel so much more productive and successful that you've actually, cause how many days have we like ended the day going, I got nothing done. Cause you did this as you did a million things. So I think that's very, uh, a good point without reading the book, obviously, but to really like focus on a task and, and, and successfully complete it. That, that has been, so that's my time management tip I've been doing for about 15 years. I try to pick three to five things I want to get done every day. Um, and then if I can get them done, then I know by Friday afternoon, by five, I was able to get 15 things done that were important, not urgent. So for example, today's book club, club call was not on my five things for today because I knew I was going to do it. It was things that I would put off, like follow up with that national retailer who hasn't called me back. Like something I could pro easily procrastinate. Those are the three to five things I list. Um, and usually they're phone calls. So I try to get them done early in the morning, at least, you know, punt it like, okay, tag your it. But, um, but if I can do three to five things every day, I will feel at the end of the week, like I got major things done because they were things that I kind of say, I literally say to myself the night before, like at a, I, as I'm turning off my light at 11 o'clock, okay, what are the three things I procrastinated today that I need to get done tomorrow? Those are the three things that I try to put on my list to get done. And if I can get them done by the end of the week, I have I've had a really good week. He talks about, um, I, I asked this too, like other muscles, willpower weakens when tired. Recovery is therefore absolutely necessary for the expression of mastery and to manage decision fatigue. So I just, I just got off of vacation and the, like two hours into it, I said to my family, I am not making any decisions for the next five days. I, Jennifer's nodding. I don't care where we eat. I don't care what we eat. I don't care when we eat. I'm, I'll eat. I'll eat and I'll do the dishes. If you need me to help cook, I'll do that. But don't ask me to make any decisions. And of course, the whole time, what do you think? What do you want? I go, I'm not making any decisions. Decision fatigue, it's a real thing, especially not to take anything away from the guys, but Jessica, right? Decision fatigue? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Crazy crazy. Uh, what else, Greg? Greg, do you have decision fatigue ever? Um, no, because I, I delegate my decision making to my wife. <laughs> I, I get it. Um, a lot of the decisions that happen on our on vacations are, are mine. So I have to bear the brunt of that 
discontent with children and everybody else. He's like, well, I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, this is what we're doing. I'm taking the decisions on this week. It, it really flips people out, but that's okay. It's a, it's a real thing. It can be. Because, I mean, you know, how many times are you asked, like, well, what do you think? What do you think? Like, just make decisions. Just do it. It's okay. Yeah. The, what about the whole thing? How about they talk about um, the recovery, how important recovery is and, and how they talk about athletes and how athletes, they push. And so Jennifer, as a runner, you know, run an extra block, right? Push yourself, but then how important it is to recover. And that they say that the must in the book, he says the muscle grows not when you're activating it, but in the recovery, which is why I definitely am going to start booking two massages a week. Beth, that's Beth, my recovery. Is, Beth, this is Barry. One second, Barry. When you're working in, working out, you know, you, you become stronger as your body heals, as your muscles repair themselves. They become stronger, they become bigger. I mean, that's you know, you, you think about it, but it's hard to apply that to kind of a, a normal environment. Yeah, Barry, go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think, Beth, you may even have his book coming up. I've read, I've done the Insane Productivity Program multiple times. I've gone through it uh, with Darren Hardy. And that's one of the things he, he preaches, and I, it's something I got to work on better, is um, recovery, rest and recovery. And he even preaches, you know, take take disconnected days, take disconnected weeks, take disconnected months where you're totally off the grid and you're in that recovery mode. And he speaks to that. That's really critical. And that's the importance of that. This actually yeah. just happened to me as well. Like I, for the last, you know, throughout COVID, it's been very difficult to take time off with all the fires going on and, you know, kind of dealing with uh, the changing circumstances. And I didn't take a vacation for almost two years, you know, like no, I hadn't taken a vacation before COVID and during COVID I haven't taken vacation. So it was like a year and a half or two years. And I was like at the brink of burning out. And I, I told myself, you know what, enough is enough. I booked a trip the following week to Hawaii. I took an entire week, no phones, no emails, no anything. And I came back and I was able to just deal with everything so much better than I was prior. I felt my brain clear. I could come up with solutions that made sense. Whereas prior, I was like, I don't know anymore. You know, it definitely really helps to just not, you know, of course, intermittently as well, taking shorter periods of time, but also taking those long, like I, I believe in the need for those longer periods of time as well, because the shorter periods of time don't allow you the opportunity to really let go. Where did you go in Hawaii? Maui. It was I'm lovely. so jealous. It was lovely. I know. I was so, I was jealous of myself. Oh, <laughs> I think everybody needs it needs a vacation where they're just pretty much off the grid. You know, we had a we had an Alaskan vacation scheduled uh, for this for this summer, but because of COVID, you can't get out of the country, can't get to Canada, so that was canceled. But we always try to go to Michigan, kind of the west coast of Michigan, and you know, close to cell tower is Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's across the lake, and I mean, it's 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 one of the, it's just the best place, one of the best places I've ever been to, and. We hold it very true, and, and we just there's no cell phones, there's no Wi-Fi, there's nothing. You are you are off the grid about as off the grid 
we checked in, we checked in to the cabins and, you know, in five minutes, everyone was complaining. The Wi-Fi is terrible. I'm like, maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. I think we should all put our phones in a basket. <laughs> no Wi-Fi. I mean, if I had to hear about the Wi-Fi, I was like, I'm telling you guys, there's a reason the Wi-Fi is bad. Like it, we're supposed to be playing board games and, you know, watching movies. Um, yeah, so they have in the back of the book, they have the billionaires Maxim Tens, where one of them, which is a thing that Grant Cardone talks about, money is a currency and it must flow like electricity. It needs to circulate. Don't hoard money. Give it away. Pay overdue tips and a tsunami of abundance will be sent to you. If you have a scarcity mindset, um, that's not a good thing. I, I, I ascribe to that, prescribe to that, whatever the word is. What else did you like in the book, uh, Jennifer? I found a lot of the stuff in the book was a little repetitive of some other books, which I like because sometimes when you read it from a different author, it sticks more. But um, to Barry's point about the insane productivity, a lot of the stuff that he talked about, Darren Hardy and the compound effect mentions. So the, you know, the little 1%. And I think we read another book that had that same topic. And I think it was the 10 something habits. And it had to do with, you know, if you focus on improving something by 1%, just a tiny little change makes such a huge difference. So I loved hearing that again in a different way. Um, he also talked about day stacking, which again, um, Darren Hardy talks about. And that's really helpful when you have, if it, like in your example, when you focus on three things, you know, you're going to get three things done in a day to hyper-focus on that. But let's say it's something longer, like in your example, the women's um, seminar that you did, the women's investing seminar. So instead of having that all be like, oh my gosh, I've got to get it done. He talks about just doing little bits at a time and then putting it up on a bookshelf and then taking it down again and, and adding to it as you go. And I found that that's super, super helpful with dealing with um, like when Nicole was saying that she had some pretty complicated projects and stuff, those projects, when you tackle them with day stacking, I think really, really helps. Absolutely. My, yeah. my thing with the book is sleep. I'm really bad at sleep. I can't sleep. I don't sleep. It's hard to fall. I can fall asleep, but staying asleep because the minute my eyes open, my brain's like, so I wish he'd expanded on that a little bit. More and how to do better. I mean, yeah, turn off your screens, read a book, take a bath. Okay, what else? <laughs> Been there, done all that. It doesn't really seem to work yet. So. Have you written? Do you have a pad at your desk, like at your bedside? Like when I my brain is going, I write the things down, and then that helps me. I do, and I try to do that before I go to bed. Like plan my day before I go to bed and before I shut off for the day. Like after dinner, I clean up, and then I go have some more quiet time. And again, this is kind of Darren Hardy's thing where you bookend your days. So the morning routine is one bookend, and and so I write down all the stuff that's in my brain so that hopefully that doesn't bother me at night when I sleep. But yeah, if I have an idea in the middle of the night, I do have uh, my journals right next to my bed. Kind of follows me throughout the day. Maybe you don't need as much sleep. Maybe. You know, I hear, I don't know how people do it, but I hear there's people that need like four hours. I get about four and a half to five. 
six hours consistent. Like it's I, very rarely am I sleeping seven or eight, never eight, but six hours pretty much consistently, and I'm, I'm pretty much refreshed. But I don't. I've, I've tried to kind of, you know, take in. I don't take like melatonin supplements or anything like that, but really try to, you know, eliminate the cortisol and try to boost your melatonin and, and, and really deal with those hormone levels because I think that is an I think that is a critical part of all of this. Yeah, he the, he 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 preaches how important sleep is. One of the something else that I underlined, which I thought was interesting, he says. Um, procrastination is an act of self-hatred. Those are pretty strong words. He said, if you really loved yourself, you'd relinquish all your feelings of not being good enough to be great and renounce all slavery to your weakness. You'd stop focusing on your deficiencies and celebrate your amazing qualities. Just think about it. There's no person on the planet today who has a unique stack of gifts that you have. Let go of dis the destructive habit of breaking the commitments you make to yourself. Failing to keep self-promises is one of the reasons so many of us don't love ourselves. Not following through on what we tell ourselves will do so destroys our sense of personal worth and dissolves our self-esteem. And I would say that procrastination is probably the one thing that most people call me about and say, help me not to be a procrastinator. And, you know, wow, how about that? It's a form of, it's an act of self-hatred. <laughs> That's pretty rough. That's rough. That, that, that's the kind of stuff that I say is self-sabotage because usually the stuff we procrastinate, like when you were talking about your phone calls, those are usually the calls that we know we need to make to move the needle significantly. But it's also scary because we're calling somebody that might reject us or we're calling somebody who may not answer the phone or we're calling somebody who we hold in awe or whatever. So, so yeah, I thought self-hatred was a little hard. I would have said self-sabotage, but I guess it could be the same thing. Yeah, I was like, wow. I think that's why your practice, Beth, and, and I don't know if it was Jennifer, but somebody else said that they do it, the, the setting up certain tasks that need to get done in the day. I think that's that's actually something I want to implement and sounds like it would help with that particular issue, any procrastination issues or self-sabotage issues you could focus on. And I guess identifying those, right, when they come up is the crucial part. He says, um, also remember that willpower weakens when it gets tired. Scientists call this ego depletion. That's why I want you to do the activities that are the most important when your capacity is the strongest. Uh, you need to have an ability to self-regulate your energy decreases and your capability to handle temptations and manage weak impulses. Human discipline muscles get tired from all of the decision fatigue. Yeah, I mean, abs I, I, can t I can tell you I, f I was physically exhausted last week, physically. Like ment my, I could feel my mental exhaustion physically when we, when we got into our vacation. So, um, Having a break, I think, is crucially important. Barry, do you ever physically feel exhausted? 
Like mentally, yeah. do you feel the mental exhaustion? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, definitely at times. And you don't, and I, I don't know if you ever take vacations. Um, I, I'm not sure who said earlier, but I mean, it's been a little while just because, I mean, we, we canceled several last year because of COVID. Um, so now it's, it's something looking to do, but not, I mean, I, but yeah, I mean, I think we all get to that point at times, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We all need more vacations. That's what I'm saying. More vacations and massages. I was saying massages. Exactly. <laughs> Um, being mandated to take them by uh, our employer. What? We're being mandated to take them by our our employer because the fear is, is that nobody has taken them and that by, uh, if we ever come out of lockdown, um, for those of you, I'm in Canada and specifically Ontario, it's locked down. We can't even leave the province. Um, So if we ever get out of here, they think that what's going to happen in November everybody's going to want to take vacation time and they just can't do that. It's not, it's not sustainable. So they're encouraging us. We're encouraging our teams to do that. Wow. I think that's a good idea. It is good because I notice I'll notice like certain members of my team are having that, that fatigue. It's, you know, it's, it's general fatigue, but it's also that, you know, COVID fatigue, all of it's taking a toll. So when you can tell by their responses or when we're on these teams calls and, and you're just like, you know what, take, take a couple days next week or take the Friday, don't even book it in, in our system. I don't, I'm their boss. I'll just be like, just take it. I think you need to decompress, watch a series and just take some time for yourself. Really important. Yeah. Yeah, here's what you guys were talking about, the day stacking. He says, um, we're also focused on pursuing our futures that we generally ignore the exceedingly important value of a single day. And yet what we are doing today is creating our future. It's like that sailboat over there. A few navigational shifts, seemingly irrelevant and infinitesimal, when done consistently over a long voyage makes the difference between ending up in breathtaking Brazil or fantastic Japan. All you need to do is pretty much guarantee a hugely successful and splendidly meaningful life is own the day, make those 1% course corrections and improvements over each 24 hour allotment you receive. And these days will slip into weeks and your weeks into months and your months into years. They're called micro wins and enhancing anything in your day, ranging from your morning routine to a thought pattern, to a business skill, to a personal relationship by only 1% delivers at least a 30%. Yes. 30% elevation only a month from starting stay with the program. And in one year, the pursuit you've been focusing on has elevated 365. The main point I'm making here is to concentrate monomaniacally on creating great days and they'll stack you into a gorgeous life. Yeah. So one, we've, we've, we've learned that before. That was, I think that was in the Darren Hardy book, the compound impact. 1%. 1%. What can we all, I mean, there's so many things we could improve on 1% a day. 
the, the challenge is to just pick one and keep with it and be consistent. Right. So one of the, one of the things I liked about this book was that there were so many takeaways. So in the beginning, I focused on just getting up early and then, you know, consistently doing the exercise. And there were so many takeaways that I feel like it's almost a long-term effort. So one of the things I've been struggling with is like the distractions from the phone and the social media or doing that one block of concentration when you first get to work. So I, I feel like the, once I master sort of one of those things, then it kind of goes to that 1% that you're saying, then I can turn and, and, you know, focus on, okay, let's not look at the phone first thing in the morning or, you know, let's, so I think that there's so many takeaways that you can consistently try to try to work on. I liked when they said, um, I liked him encouraging the learning and the reading because sometimes I, I feel like every month we're talking about a new book. The book is telling us we should do all these things. We can't do all of these things, but if we get one idea, right, one idea, whether it's a book or a conference or a podcast, um, you know, but we, by now, after four years, we should all be just freaking rock stars, right? <laughs> we don't need to read any more books, right, Barry and Greg? I've taken the approach personally, and again, it comes from Darren Hardy. Yeah. Oh, wait. Wait, one second, one second. Barry, you go first. Oh, okay. No, sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, I, I honestly have personally taken the approach of kind of following Darren Hardy model, which is he talks about going, pick somebody that really resonates with you and go deep with them as opposed to lots and lots of, in this instance, books and, and being pretty thin. So I, I've kind of, yeah, like I said, I've done insane productivity several times. I do Darren, Darren Daly's. I, I've kind of gone deep with him and therefore haven't read his. And I'm not saying that's the right approach or not. It's just kind of what has worked pretty well for me. And it's um, so I, I, I haven't read a ton of books, but I just kind of keep kind of going back through three or you know, a couple of people, a couple of authors that I really like and just rereading those. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a perfect answer, right? No. Greg, what were you going to say? Yeah, I mean. You know, I'm, I'm not familiar, I, I feel kind of ignorant here, I don't, I'm not familiar with Darren Hardy, so apparently I have to add something to my library, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I think there is a point, if you find a, if you find a resource or you, you find someone that, that resonates with you, that you really agree with, you know, go deep, get, go into it and, and really expound on the concepts and, and really develop what the, the messages are supposed to, or they're trying to get across. I, I mean, I, I'm a huge Simon Sinek and Adam, Adam Grant fan. Uh, I pretty much try to consume every, and, and Malcolm Gladwell to, to an extent, to pretty much consume everything that they read, everything they talk about, whatever it is. Uh, I just feel so enlightened when I learn and read, and read about those from those guys. So uh, like you said, there's no one specific answer, but if, if you feel like you're improving yourself, you know, over the course of a period of time, then that's a win. And, and there really, no one should tell you otherwise. Yeah. And, uh, and just the fact that we're all improving and sharing with each other, obviously that's a win-win too. Um, it, it is, uh, we're, I think a lot of us are self-improvement uh, junkies on this call a little bit. At least, you know, you guys know I am. Um, but next month we, we're going to have a practical book for a change. So we're going to, and we're going to have the author on the book from the book. 
I was wondering. I was wondering if you were. I, I had. I had asked if she would want to join. Join when she. You know, when we. When you released the list, I had asked Chelsea. You know, months ago, if she wanted to do it. I actually forgot to ask you, but yeah, there she. She. Yeah, she's going to join us. Chelsea Pites, um wrote the book uh, "What to Post," and. Uh, so for anybody that wants to be doing more with social media, now that we just finished a book that says stay off of it, <laughs> but um, there's a place and a time for everything. So um, yeah, but that will be in May. And then guess what, Barry Wolf, guess what our book in June is. I say actually a book I've read. <laughs> the Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. I knew that was coming up, and he's he lives down in Miami. Um, I wonder if there's any way we could somehow get him on here. I think you should work on that. I'll see what I can do. He's I know he he even talks publicly how you can't get through to him. <laughs> he's very very difficult, but uh, we'll see what we can do. But yeah, he's he's got. But no, that'll be a fun one. I'll I'll try him too because we used him for the Realtors Association. Our theme this year was compounding the Miami effect, and we handed oh, out his book to everybody. And he was scheduled to do a pre-recorded presentation for us, but it was right before his newest program came out, and he couldn't do it. So his assistant was like, "We owe you, so maybe <laughs> maybe oh, we can collect." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what I what I've done with like Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary Vaynerchuk or um, Jeb Blunt, I said just ten minutes, just ten minutes, you know. Yeah, so, I don't you know, know if just... he'll do it because we're we're a small group, but because he didn't do it for a group of a hundred. Already on Twitter, but... <laughs> I mean, just you know, Twitter abuse him, and so hopefully he'll cave. I don't think I don't think Twitter abusing him is going to encourage him to come on the on the call. <laughs> no, I would I would more or less I guess abuse is the wrong word, but you know Twitter encourage. Twitter encourage, yeah, that's, that's that's a better use of the term. Sorry. There you go. No, no, no problem. I just finished reading this book that said words are very important. Yeah, that's my issue. I, <laughs> I, I tend to put bigger words in than I really need to. My wife calls me out all the time. All right. So, any anyone else have anything else to add about the five a.m. club? So, Jessica, are you going to continue to do it and add to your day, add to your mornings? Oh yes, absolutely. I you know I read it on my iPad first, and then I bought a hard copy, which is on my nightstand, and I read a little at a time and highlight. So, I definitely um, you know I have other books I'm reading um, as well, but I will keep focusing on this one. Okay. Anybody else have any other thoughts? Nicole, Alana? No, I'm in book now. So you got to go on your vacation, Alana. I know. I have to take. I have to take a vacation for sure soon. But it's like I don't know because I'm assuming you're all in the U.S. You have no idea. There's there's nowhere to go. We cannot leave the province. We cannot go to a store unless it's a grocery store. Or, or, uh, or a pharmacy or the liquor store. So basically <laughs> all a bunch of shut-in drunks at this point, that's wow. that. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> oh my gosh. When are they gonna open up the city? So this is our third lockdown in since COVID started. Um, our original one was three months and then um, we had one from December 26th through to February, uh, I think it was extended February 11th. This one is, uh, they just extended it to May 20th. 
How are your vaccination rates there? Are you guys doing pretty well with vaccinations or? They're doing all right. They were kind of halted on supplies, but they're, they're, they're now, um, they're now, uh, 40, 40 and 40 to 50 year olds. So they had like the, you know, the, the, the susceptible people, the healthcare workers, they did all, and then like aging, um, like my mom. And then, so they're, they're rolling it out. It's getting, it's, it's going well. They anticipate though, that probably we'll have 60% by the end of the summer, maybe. Yeah. But there it's, it's, it's insane. So Nova Scotia, which is a province of a million people, they had 68 cases and they closed their borders yesterday. Cause it, you know, it based on certain things, right. But we had, we had over 5,000 cases in one day in the province, which was the most we'd had since the whole thing started. So even back when it first started, we never got to those numbers. It's pretty, it's pretty serious. So yeah. We're just not going anywhere. Okay, well, be careful. Be safe. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, there's nowhere to go. So hopefully <laughs> come here. But you know what? It's there's some, you know, these these books are really great because, you know, you start to see and COVID is actually the positive. You start to see the benefit of things that you you didn't see by your, you know, working and not being at home as often and traveling so much. And, you know, you I think we lost sight of a lot of um, family values, to be perfectly honest. So that's something that's definitely definitely um you know and the and the positive corporate culture that we enjoyed like you know that's something that I think we're all going to want to get back to absolutely yeah all right well um how is it stays- Florida? how's Florida then Florida's good. good Florida's good we're open we're not shutting down good We've been going to a lot of um, events and it's funny because everyone walks in with their mask and everything. And then all of a sudden it's like, who's been vaccinated, all, all vaccines and everybody raises their hand and the masks come off. And yeah, great. It's, you know, I think people are still being a little cautious, but as we're seeing more and more vaccines, I, I feel like we're getting back to normal with handshaking and hugging and it's kind oh, of- yeah. Handshaking and hugging is back. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. I'm going to tell people when I'm on the calls today that I had, I heard that because that's amazing. Yeah. All right, my God, everyone stay safe and we'll see you next uh, month for what to post. We'll send out the date. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for being here. Bye guys. Bye.